Okay, we're here with Tiffany. She knows it's dedication time. Tiffany, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? I would like to dedicate this episode to my morbidly obese cat, Per Elton John. <laughs> Elton John. He's, he's, he's going on a diet, and uh, I feel like he just needs the extra emotional support right now. <laughs> Okay. As a as a dog, I I have a chunky dog too. Mm-hmm. His name is Loki, but we call him Loki Pokey, mm. so I can resonate with him. But his but my wife calls him Chunky Monkey too. Mm-hmm. We call Elton Fat Fat. We just go straight to the point. <laughs> I'm sure if we call him that, he gives that expression like, "I know what you're calling." I know me. what you're doing. I know yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. You're fat shaming me. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. I love him so much. <laughs> All right. Your story. Animals are a little bit overweight. <laughs> All right, we're back in the show, and today we have Tiffany Cornwell. All right, so Tiffany, you, you've been you're from Georgia, Florida. I'm Florida. from Florida, Florida, not mm-hmm. Georgia, Florida. Mm-hmm. Which is still, are you still, and you've been living in Minnesota for ten years. Yep, I moved here in 2011. So, are you, it's still acclimating to the weather, or? Not really. I feel like I've gotten used to it by now. Okay. Um, I know what to do. I know what to wear. Yeah. How to handle it. Um, I still don't love the cold. Uh, but now, fun fact, I also don't love the heat. So Because we get extremes here. We not get extremes much, not so much here. in Florida, right? Right. Yeah. But I go to Florida, I'm like, mm, it's too hot. And I come here, I'm like, mm, it's too cold. And it's like, right. never going to, I'm, I'm like Goldilocks. I'm looking for, for porridge that's just right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just get a kick out of people that come to Minnesota. And then the first time you almost get like sexually violated by the wind in oh, the winter. So and you're like, bad. oh my God, that's real. That's really cold. Or the air goes in your lungs. Mm-hmm. The cold air goes in your lungs. You go, oh my gosh. Just like heat goes into your lungs. Yeah. 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 So have you been back to Florida? Oh yeah. Plenty. Uh, I mean, my family still lives there. Okay. My sister and her, uh, her little family is in Tampa. My parents are in Palm Beach. Oh. So. Okay. That is Florida. That is Florida, Florida. That's like, like why am I South sweating? Florida. I didn't do anything today. <laughs> <laughs> why yep. am I still sweat? Why am I clothes wet? Right. Yep. So yeah. I grew up about a 20 minute drive from the beach. Um, I used to joke that like I've gone to the movies in, in a bikini because like the movies were across the street from the, from the uh, yeah. beach. Like the theater was across the street from the beach. So worked at a movie theater in high school. That Did was Did you fun. really? Yeah. Just ushering or upstairs? Or? Uh, ushering. I was all ushering or the food court. Um, and actually, that was college. I needed some extra cash in college. Uh, so myself, my brother, and my sister, all of us worked at the same movie theater, which was awesome because you also got to watch one free movie a day. Right. Um, so I saw all of the movies that came out. When you were there, in when college. I was there, it was college. really fun. I know that's, and then you could tell everybody, "Go see this one." Go see this one. Don't see that one. Don't see that one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Is that kind of the catalyst for getting involved with movies, or you always no. just wanted to be part of movies? Uh, I always wanted to be. I actually remember being pretty young, and uh, I would watch all of the. Remember on the DVDs when they would do the behind the scenes where the directors and the actors would like discuss the filmmaking process yeah. while the film was playing. Yeah. And as a kid, like a kid. I would watch the movie several times and then I would I would watch that. Like I vividly remember watching the behind the scenes for Cheaper by the Dozen. Um, <laughs> and because like Hilary Duff was in it, that was a big deal for me. <laughs> and um, and I watched the behind the scenes on Cheaper by the Dozen and I vividly remember being incredibly jealous that they got to have that experience and I don't get to do that um, or wanting to be part of that or um, watching uh, uh, movies where they had accents and trying to imitate the accents and I just knew I wanted to be on set um, and I wanted to be an actor. Nice because DVDs with the commentary it's almost like you see the magic trick yes but then they tell you how the magic, how trick, the magic trick happened. happened yeah and a lot of people are were a little hesitant to do that but I think it's more and more interesting you're like mm-hmm. oh that's how you do it but you still watch a movie and you still like i like to be fooled that it's still real yeah right yeah yeah so right right when dvds came out that was a big deal because we didn't get those in vhs's when we were kids nope you know, it was gonna, yeah and the dvds tell you all the magic tricks or talk about all the right yeah. and you could watch all the behind the scenes and it was great yeah so did you do 
did you mainly jump to movie or did you do theater as well? I did theater first. Oh. Um, and so I jumped right into it when I was 17. My, I did um, Shakespeare by the Sea, which was a professional Shakespeare company that performed outdoors across the street from the beach. Um, absolutely incredible. I mean, some yeah. some of the best performers I've worked with. Well, you got a day. great set to start with. Great set to start with, yeah. um, and I got the smallest of small roles, but I didn't care because I was on stage and I was being paid to act. Um, and uh, and from there, I got into a training program, um, which was improv and acting and technique. And I did a year of that um, in high school. I got a scholarship to a local. Uh, training program okay and then I went to college um, and in college I thought I was going to do theater but the film department the head of the film department uh, kind of took me under his wing and so I started getting more involved in film in college yeah did you, uh, did you work behind the scenes too a little bit I, I focused a lot more on the acting side of things but um, spent a lot of time just on set and around filmmakers so and relatively, I would talk about that you've also been busy this year as well because yes. you have multiple full features coming yes, out. Yes, I've fall. been so blessed, <laughs> not to <laughs> use a somewhat overused word, but um, I've had an absolutely incredible year in terms of the projects that I've gotten to be part of. It has been mind-blowing and heart-filling and all of the good, squishy, wonderful, bright things. <laughs> so, it's a little <laughs> bit hesitant because you're, you're so busy, but mm -hmm. then you're like... Am I always going to be this busy or is I it going to be a dry season? This it, right? The anxiety never really goes away, does it? It does not. Um, although sometimes you're like, okay, a week off, a week off, a week off is good. Oh my gosh, I need to update all of my materials and I need to be editing that and I should be writing. I wrote three things. What am I going to do with them? Maybe I should shoot something. I should contact that person. Maybe <laughs> I should do some networking. I should go to a film festival. Well, film festivals, are they happening right now? They are happening. I'm going to go to a film festival. Oh my God, there's so much going on. So you, do you ever... Calm. Take a break. Right. There's yeah. never calm. <laughs> it's a, I want to bring that up because it's the deceiving point that people know we're not doing movies or doing mm -hmm. not acting that somehow you just, it's a, just, oh, I just, it's a frivolous activity. It just no. be, be on a movie, get to act, and then I go home and then, you know, yeah. but no, but it's a constant working even when you're not working. Yeah. Even when I, when I'm not on set, um, I'm actively taking classes. You know, there are some of the best studios in the world are all teaching their classes online now. So you can take like anywhere in the world, um, you can, you have the opportunity to take classes yeah. with trainers in New York and LA and just all over the, the place, the, the trainers that are recognizable, like you've heard their name, um, or at least the studio's name before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been taking classes uh, for a while. Um, I actually had a really cool experience. I was in, so I was taking a class, um, an intensive at Margie Haber Studio, which is out in LA. Yeah. And so they have a, I think it's a six or eight week intensive that you you are placed in um, depending oh God, on your- sounds like boot camp. It is. <laughs> um, it's- uh, it's four to, it's four plus hours, two days a week for several, for like six or eight weeks. Yeah. I can't remember how long specifically. I think it's six weeks. So I, I took that last, uh, October, November, December. And, um, one of the members of that class and I actually ended up working on a film together a year later in August, which oh, was nice, so cause, cool. Cause it's almost like, I'm going to use the boot camp phrase again, but mm -hmm. it's almost like you did that initiative yeah. that schooling and then you know the person yeah before it sets and we you. had bonded during class too like I really admired her and her work um her name is Megan Hensley mm. and I had admired her I admired her work um and I liked her as a person and then I got to be in a movie with her it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> she's actually a good person too and yeah. she can act yeah oh she can really act yeah. dang so I just want to bring up and I've been just, you know, corner of my eye, I've been following what you've been doing, and mm -hmm. I know you've been doing a lot of like westerns, mm -hmm. uh, western films, and stuff like that. And you actually, did you learn to use a whip too? Uh, no, we were we were on set, and uh, and Tom, who was a fight choreographer and and stunts for that film for Sanctified, uh, Sanctified, um, okay, yes. So he had brought the uh, whip to set <laughs> just for fun and okay. then he trained us on how to use it for fun and it was so much fun yeah <laughs> so i might have to i might have to buy one of those and practice some more okay and then one of them one of them that you worked on is sanctified sanctified and yes. that's in post-production that is it is in it's being it's an edit right now so in um january well january of 2020 and also august of 2020 uh i worked on a heart like water which is right. premiering december 3rd 
5th. It's it's premiering throughout North Dakota um, in theaters in December. And then in May of 2021, I worked on Sanctified. And then in uh, April of 2021, not April, sorry, August of 2021, I worked okay. on End of the Rope. And those were the features I worked on. I also worked with uh, Jay Ness when he directed um, Lex Xander, the, the Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, you just on fan here talking about it. Yeah. And you, you got to play a stormtrooper? I did play a stormtrooper. So you, one kind of them of is... a badass, you right. know. <laughs> I did, well, we, we did Z-Fest and I just kind of passed um, Andrew Stecker. Mm. And I just like, how was it just to be starting? He goes, man, it's just so awkward, but it's so fun. But yeah. it's so awkward. Like, the costumes, you better, better go to the bathroom before. <laughs> yep. The costumes, uh, you know, they're not made of supple texture. <laughs> <laughs> they're not forgiving. They're not forgiving, but yeah. they look so cool. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. It's That's the trick. You want to look cool. Yeah. But being uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So when we see it, you're one of them. Yes. Yeah. I'm one of the stormtroopers. Because spoilers, the stormtroopers are kind of In the short. movie. You're kind of short people. Yeah. 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 That was going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So do we know an update? I, we talked to Jess, uh, Jay Ness about mm-hmm. it. Do we know when that's going to be available for the public to see? You would have to ask him that question. Okay. All right. I know in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's been working on it because we've had a couple chats um, about like some ADR that I need to do. So okay, yeah, he's been working on it. Well, going back to the other ones mm-hmm. like Sanctify, what did you? I mean, you're playing part of a lead. Uh, yes, yeah, so I played a uh, female lead slash lead number two on the call sheet. I never know how to describe it. Um, I yes, but I was one of the leads on that one. Okay, I was part of first team on that one. So that was uh, that was an incredible experience. That was one I had prepared for for a while. So I actually I uh, auditioned for that in January of 2019. Um, and so uh, Nick Swedland, he is yeah. the director of it. Um, brilliant script, and so I had started preparing for it. Um, they were going to film it in May of 2020. So I booked it in originally in August of 2019. Okay. And then I had, I thought, eight months to prepare for it for May of 2020. And then everything shut down. And, you know, May of 2020 was crazy. It was yeah. not the right time to be doing a full-fledged feature. Like, no, no. one... I was in Florida before they shut everything down. Too. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was delayed to 2021. So I had lived with that character. Um, her name is Hildegard for a year and a half. And in that time had also been taking a ton of classes and doing a lot of work and really um, also doing just a lot of self-work. Yeah. I think one of the most important things actors can do is therapy and learning about themselves and um, and digging into their own their own selves as a being. (laughs) Um, And I was doing a lot of that too. So by the time we got to May of 2021, it was like she lived in my bones. <laughs> like, um, we didn't have to talk. We, I know this person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was a really incredible experience. And just working with with Nick, um, who's a brilliant director, and then working with um, Ben Enke, who was our DP. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a horrible person. Oh, um, my God. You know. He doesn't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ben is, ben is the best. And also like really funny just like that yeah that low low tone soft underhand pitch comedy that he does right yes he's he's just he's brilliant in every regard because he's looking like wait did he just crack a joke yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and uh chelsea grant was also on that one um who i had worked with a couple years back on another feature and um just was so excited to work with her again um and then our (laughs) Our executive producer, who also played the lead in that one, um, was Dan, and he is um, one of the best actors I've ever worked with, uh, and also a brilliant, you know, writer and producer of his own regard. But as an actor, it was I, I got to work with him on a Heart Like Water and also Sanctified. And as okay, an actor, yeah, that's nice. Great working with him as well, um, and also uh, Andrew, who played our um, our pro. T- antagonist so Andrew uh, was the antagonist Dan was the protagonist I'm sure Andrew hated that yeah 
<laughs> yeah. Where'd you guys was, film that? We filmed that in the Badlands uh, outside of Medora, North Dakota. Oh, you went okay. You were actually in North. We Dakota. were in like we yeah. were at a camp in North Dakota for three and a half weeks. That's weird. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the the therapy thing for actresses, mm-hmm. and I, even though I'm not an actor and actresses, but I encourage it. I, I like that idea because I was watching the thing about Val Kilmer. It's not in the documentary, but I'm in an interview that he talked about that he actually had to go to therapy to stop being Jim Morrison. Mm. He was losing auditions because he kept going back he, to that character because he was doing audition as Jim Morrison yeah. doing this, and he had to go. I really had to do extensive therapy to yeah. stop being Jim Morrison. And he goes, what helped me initially was just being Batman. Because you're so restricted. Yes. You can't move. You can't hear. You have it's, to do the thing. <laughs> right, you have to do the thing and just pout your lips all the time when you're beating bad guys. And yep. that, he said that helped me get out of it. But yeah, I would probably have to do a little more. Mm-hmm. Therapy is kind of a harsh word because there's so much tagline. Tune up. Just mm-hmm. tune up. Just come come back to your center. Right? Yeah. Work yeah. on just tools too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, digging into myself as a as a human has made me a much better actor. And then each character makes me a better human because I understand a different part of my humanness yeah. through that character. Yeah. Because um, it's always like you think you put on a mask, but it's actually you're just opening more up to yourself. You're just opening more up. And, you know, it's weird. One of the things I was most worried about, not most, but slightly worried about going into therapy was like, OK, but if I heal my trauma... <laughs> What do I pull from? Right. First of all, turns out there's a lot more trauma than you think there is. <laughs> second of all, um, the healing actually opens you up to being more open and and I think better and richer and fuller. Yeah. Um, and then you get to go into um, not just experiencing and poking at your own pain um, for your work, which can become incredibly unhealthy, but you go into um, actually forming memories of and living in the memories of this other person. And I, I have had some memories form in me that um, honestly felt real. Um, for a heart like water, yeah. um, I, have, I have a very deep memory of my son um, laying in my arms, uh, horribly feverish and dying, and there's nothing I can do. And he reaches up and he starts um, patting my cheek and just saying, um, Mama, help me, Mama. And it like... It's still there. It's still there. It's a real memory for me. And it never happened because it was, you know, that was the 1887. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, uh, I never had a son. I've never yeah. been, I like, I've never, I've never ha- had a child. But my son in my arms is such a vivid memory for me um, that, that memories like that, you can just live in them. And it's not, you're not, you're not poking at your own pain. Right. Um, and creating psychological problems for yourself. Uh, yeah. But they're still as rich and real and true and right. vivid. I remember an interview with uh, watching 60 Minutes with Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. And um, he's extensively hard, difficult to do interviews about his career because mm-hmm. he goes, if you want to talk about some of these roles, I can't. I'm going to break down. Mm-hmm. They're still there. And, you know, he's inter- Anderson Cooper was interviewing him and he tried to softball it. And then he brought up, I think it was Don't Look Back. Yeah. And Donald goes, we're done. I'm just, we're going to go back. We have to revisit it. I'm going to break down. Yeah. And it's, I think it's hard if you're not an actor to understand that because everyone's like, well, that's a movie that happened 40 years ago. Why do we still retain that? And that's the thing. It's, it's a memory, right? It's almost mm-hmm. traumatic memory. Um, my favorite is watching Marlon Brando talk about how he had to do Streetcar Named Desire three three times a day for almost a month. Yeah. And you break down and cry three times on it stage. It is exhausting. Yeah. It flushed him right. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so you have to relive it all three times a night, not just every day, mm-hmm. but three times a day for like a month doing that show. And when he finally did the movie, it was almost like an automatic for yeah. him because he did it so many times. What was the name? I, I'm completely blanking on his name, although I can see his face. The guy who did Dear Evan Hansen. Um, I don't know. Should we look at it? Uh, sure. All right. Okay, we took a break and we looked him up. So it's Ben. It's Ben Platt. Ben so Platt. So yeah. yes, I feel very bad for for forgetting his name, um, Ben. If you're listening to this, um, I know you've won many awards, but obviously <laughs> you are listening to this podcast. I apologize for forgetting your name. Um, ben Platt was talking about uh, in Dear Evan Hansen. He had this song at the end that he would do eight times a week, like sobbing and singing at the same time. Just this horrifically emotional painful moment 
Um, and people were like, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I think, and I'm completely paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of, I reach for it and it comes for me because I've done the work. And if it doesn't come to me, then I go back to the work. Right. And that, that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I've learned in the last couple of years is like, when you do the work, you do the training, and then you show up and you and you open yourself and ask it to come to you and through you know your work and your technique and the hours you've put into it it will come and if it doesn't come then you go back to the work right and uh i agree i, I think that's i don't know that's been my approach recently <laughs> i think it like robert de niro says doesn't feel right yeah if it doesn't feel right then it's not if it feels genuine and authentic then we did a good job if if you've done the training and uh, and people are telling you yes, because I have also seen situations where people are like, well, it just felt right, and the director or their you know the trainer or the person who's running the class is like, well, it didn't look good, so we need to figure out a different way to make it feel right oh, where yeah. it also works for other people because yeah. it's feeling almost like a right, right. there's a balance there. Like it can for me, it can feel very good to just burst into sobs right yeah that doesn't mean it's right for the story the character the arc the moment the script um it's good that i've got that in me but i maybe i need to hold that back maybe it needs to be the tension that needs to be there is you know not crying (laughs) well yeah because you 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 know it's nice to do the loud characters when you get everything out you get to scream and shout and scream but sometimes it's nice to really craft a the soft characters yeah. where you have to do almost the same thing but you have to keep it in almost mm-hmm, right the, mm-hmm. the loud you know the loud characters soft characters yeah so, so yeah it's almost an exercise it is it's almost like going to the gym almost all the yeah, time and that's why actors should be in classes i'll say it again actors should be in classes <laughs> be in classes <laughs> so my, ne- my, my next logical step would be are you co- comfortable watching yourself uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's not that's not me up there, right? No, uh no. I I watch myself because I must. Okay. However, I will watch myself and go, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck. That was terrible. That was terrible. Oh, that was okay. Oh, I should have done that different. Why didn't I do that? Oh, I wish I had like even my memory of myself, I can't let myself watch because I'm like, why didn't you do that better? You're terrible. You're the worst. God, um, you, you that's exactly how what I go through when I do a page on my for my comic book. <laughs> suck, 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 suck. Okay, that was good. Suck. Oh god, this page. I'm just gonna get done with it, go on to the next one. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. And then it's there forever for people to watch. <laughs> um, I am very grateful for the people who tell me I don't suck. <laughs> because I don't totally believe them, but I must because I respect them. Because I see their work and they don't suck. And I really love what they're doing. And you liar. So, <laughs> so I can't go like, I can go, I don't believe you, but yeah. I trust you. And therefore, maybe I don't. Please don't make me watch me again. Okay, here we go. Um, And then there's also the fascination of watching yourself over and over again to learn what you want to do differently or what you want to do better. Yeah. I have, it's the same thing with every page I do on comic book. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Oh God, are you you sure? Are you just trying to be nice? Because that really is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I could have done it much better, but we just had to move on. You know, ink ink is forever, no matter how much erasing you can do. Right. So it's almost the same thing I go through, even though, and the problem is, it's you, right? Right. You right. critique your own stuff. It's my face. Yeah, it's, that's my, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. God, why does my face look like that? Mm-hmm. Or like, what if we get rid of that on my face? Or, or why do I do that with my eyes? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Why do I always say right all the time? Could I blink one last time? Just less blinking. <laughs> right. And it's, it's all the things that you have to go through mm-hmm. to give out the performance. And you're right. And it's the self-evaluation that you're mm-hmm. you're going to be far more harsh. Because when your... you're there, you're not thinking, oh, goodness, I need to blink less. You are in class. Yeah. That is where you're learning and training and technique. Or one well, one of the classes, you know, there's yeah. different technique classes. But, you know, in class, you might be practicing um, very specific, like, 
I'm going to blink less. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to hold myself here, understanding lenses and angles and where the camera's at and listening to direction. Um, but when you're on set, that's not, you know, that's not what you're thinking about. You're just, you're living it. I know it's almost like um, when you play golf, there's like 80 things you have to do to mm-hmm. remember all the mechanics to hit the golf ball. Until it becomes, and it becomes a reflex. Muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. And there's only 10 things you can retain in your head, which you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I, I remember reading about Cary Grant. He goes, the only thing I keep in my brain is where my hands are and what they have to do. <laughs> That's the only thing. He goes, I know my lines just... Because I think a lot of times with even actors, oh, my hands, yeah. what am I going to do with my hands in this scene? What do yes. I put them out here? What, <laughs> what do I do with these appendages attached to my torso? These, where do they go? <laughs> I shall hold them. And then you, that's when, well, sorry, I just punched your art studio. Well, we're, we're doing, th- yeah, we're yeah. doing. Th- <laughs> um, that's when you start seeing like. Um, like you start seeing people put their hands in their pockets and not because it's a character choice, but because it's the only way to keep, to do something with their hands that isn't feeling awkward. <laughs> well, um, I think if uh, that TV show, um, um, Idris Elba, mm-hmm. he's a detective, mm-hmm. but he, he wrote in the scene, he goes, I think my detective should keep his hands in his pockets as a way of not touching things when you're mm-hmm. in a crime scene. But that was a good way of acting but you keep your hands in your pockets yeah too, right yeah but he convinced him yeah the detective i think he should keep his hands in his pockets when he's on the crime scene not yeah. to like and touch that's me. a character choice that's a, character that's a good character choice. but he choice. loved that because now i get to keep my <laughs> yes <laughs> right so. so comfortable so acting came first and mm-hmm. then you're starting to do writing uh i've done some i'm doing some writing um john Engie, who is one of my very good friends now who I worked on girl stuff with. Um, So he directed girl stuff. He's also a writer and he has been encouraging me to write some more. So I've written some more, um, nothing massive, nothing to announce, nothing super interesting. Um, Kendra and I, along with John, John was actually a writer on the project. We all three actually wrote a pilot script for Girl Stuff. Yes. If it were to become a series. Um, and that we went to Catalyst with that. So that was really fun uh, to finish a longer project. Um, if I can just interject and people that are listening outside yeah. the world, um, Catalyst is the uh, up in Duluth, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to pitch your ideas mm-hmm. to get it up to the next level. It is a it is a television film festival. So they don't yeah. have feature films there. They have television, um, and and scripts are part are part of that. And but also, you, if you don't have any connect, it's an, it's a way to get connected. Right? Yes, it's yeah. in it's a really great festival to go to for connections and meeting people from all over the world. Um, yeah. They do they do a really good job with that festival. And yes. you brought. Um, so girl. we brought the Girl Stuff pilot yeah. and also uh, the Girl Stuff short to Catalyst this year. Um, so that's probably what the bigger writing projects that I've done, something that's like a finished project um, that I worked with, I worked on with Kendra and John. Uh, and then I've got a couple other things that I'm I'm working on. <laughs> well, as somebody that's a writer all the time, that's another mm-hmm. one thing that's a full-time job, even though you're not sitting down writing, because mm-hmm. I would just... I, I I do a part-time custodial, and you can just sit there, and I bring my notepad with me. And mm. I'm like, oh, I'm going to write the little note down. Yep. And you put that in. But I know a lot of other writers email themselves. Yep. So I think John does that. He's told me he does that. Email themselves. Yep. They're like, oh, that's right. Right. Yep. I'm going to do that part. But um, I think for you, especially for you, which you have so many avenues of characters, it's so great to kind of put that on paper. Yes. Because it almost feels like you're acting as you're writing too. Yeah. And it's also nice to be able to put my own personal perspective and like the weird way my brain works <laughs> <laughs> on paper. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite things has actually turned into um, the the jokes that are only in the script that the audience will never see. Oh, right. I yeah, I have to do that almost to yourself. Yeah. Right. It's just, you know, you're actually writing something that is enjoyable to read. Um, oh. And there are jokes that literally no one except someone who's reading the script will ever see. They did a bunch of that for 30 Rock. Oh, I'm it's like, sure. It's like inside joking, even though a lot of massive audience could get some of them. But there was some like, I'll get you Alec Baldwin. I'm going to go back in the writer's room. Yeah. You know, I'll get you Tina Fey. I'll, I'll get you. <laughs> Yeah, so that, I think that's nice to, especially with a writer mm-hmm. and acting, is you're not really doing it by yourself. You're also working with other people. Yes, um, I am also doing it by myself. You know, I've got a couple, but um, 
writers. But support group. There's That's what a I'm huge framing. amount of support group. Right. Um, like, and there are people who read everything that I write. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I just want to mention because especially acting, you can't. There's no acting in a vacuum. There's no writing mm-hmm. in a vacuum. You have some kind of support group of people. There's you, very little art in a vacuum, right? Because art is both. It is both strongly influenced by the culture around the creator of the art, and I'm not just talking about the societal culture although societal structures and society does affect art but also just the people in their immediate circles and the way that their their interactions work together Mm. it is strongly influenced by that it also influences the culture so the creation of it actually changes the culture and the situation around the art itself and the art takes on its own life and its own imagination as it's shared with other persons yeah so art you know I don't know that art can happen in a vacuum. You know, I still think it's art if you have someone who's living alone in the woods and they are, they have never seen or will, you know, the, the work that they've done will never be seen by anyone other than them in their own homes. Still art, still yeah. creation, well, still like, creating something beautiful. Like Grant Wood, he just yeah. lived in his own little town forever and ever and he painted those pictures like yeah. American Gothic and he just wasn't influenced by anything else. He right. was influenced, influenced by where he lived and mm-hmm. that culture. But he did influence the culture. Yes. And he was influenced by the culture around him. Yeah. To create. So it's yeah, we're kind of, we're going back to we're, I'm taking the scenic route, but we're yeah. Yes. It's it's not creating a vacuum even though, no. right? Yeah. Art is is the culture in that it takes on the culture and it also influences change in the culture. So that's that's why it's powerful. Um, I know, uh, especially when you're busy mm-hmm. doing acting and you're working, I, do you have time to watch movies or you're just... Oh, yeah. Okay. I know a lot of people are like, God, I, w- I haven't watched them. I would like to watch more. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And well, that's the same with a fisherman. I still like to... I wish I could fish more, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ashamed at how much uh, bad, like, on purpose, bad, like, Hallmark Christmas movies I watch <laughs> because I have time on my hands. And I'm watching a movie. <laughs> and you know the formula. And I know that I could be watching something good. But I just want to watch something that I don't care about so I can lay there and stare at something in the dark. <laughs> this is exactly my, my, my wife. I go, why watch these? And she's like, you want me to tell you? Right. Mm-hmm. Just to flush my brain. I, yeah. I was working with an actor this year who mentioned that he was in a Hallmark movie. And yeah. I was like, wait, wait, don't tell me. So you, you, were you the guy she ends up with or the guy she started with? And he went, I was the guy she started with. And I went, okay, so you're a high-end businessman and he owns, he owns a tree farm. And he looked at me and he, and I, and I went, oh, and she, she owns a coffee shop or she's a journalist, right? Right. And he went, an apple orchard. How did you know? (laughs) Cause you know the formula. Cause there's a formula. Right. Well, like um, my friend Kelly Reynolds, who re- critiques romance novels mm. for her podcast, there's a formula. You yeah. know that, and how and it's comforting. How do you know these two people hate each other in the beginning? Gonna... How they're gonna like? <laughs> yes, but you know it's gonna happen. But they yep. hate each other. Yep. Yeah, yep. I love it. But it's mm. hard to, for me especially, it's hard to write romance. Oh, I, I can't do, do it, it sincerely. Right, I couldn't. No, I'll be like, I, that's too cheeky. That's the hard part for me where I'm like, okay, and then they kiss. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> right. Kiss like people do. Right. With <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Exit fade out. <laughs> Which is a great way to do. All right. We'll take a little break <laughs> and then we'll get back. To, we'll watch our Hallmark movies and we'll take a little Perfect. break and we'll be back mm. more with Tiffany. Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench. All right, we're back with Tiffany, and then you're moving. I'm moving. You're going to This LA. is like the first public place I've said that. Yes. Yeah, you're moving. I'm moving. Yes. Uh, my husband and I have decided we're moving out to LA in yeah. January. Um, 
Better weather. Better weather. <laughs> warmer. Maybe not in the summer. Right. Very warm in the summer in the valley where we'll be living, especially. Well, if you're an actress and mm-hmm. if you want to be serious about it, it's you want to go. Yes. Um, yes and no. Uh, I, I mean, I've gotten I've. I've been able to do some work and some projects here that I would have never had a chance at. You know, right, these, are, yeah. these are roles that are written that like an Oscar winner would love the meatiness of these roles, right? Like these are good films, good roles. Um, and it's, you know, you don't get a shot at that when you're a nobody <laughs> in a big city. So yes and no. Um, but I, I just think I would spend the rest of my life regretting not giving it a shot. Sure. If I didn't give it a shot. Um, and I would rather go out there and just like honestly fail miserably, audition a million times a day and never get called into an office for a callback than never go and try. Right. Yeah. So um, it's the old adage of the guy yeah. just praying to God, please let me win the Powerball just right. once. God, please, <laughs> I would do everything. I just let me win the Powerball just once. Just once. And then when he dies and the guy's like, well, you never bought the Powerball ticket. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you it's like <laughs> you have, a, you know, is it a 0% chance or is it a point zero 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 one chance, which is bigger than zero <laughs> it's it's existence yeah. um it's that it's also just the right time in our lives to explore the becoming like the next stage of our becoming yeah. um i i think a lot of moving out there uh just not even thinking about my career but just you know moving across the country is a big thing um changing our lives entirely my husband has always lived in minnesota uh there's a becoming to it there's a next stage of who we will be and that's the part i'm also really excited for is you know who am i going to be in three to five years having lived this with this with this new experience and choosing the that kind of becoming over the becoming of staying which is a like staying is a choice um and we've, you know, we've talked about this since I moved here. Are, you know, are we making the choice to stay or are we making the choice to go? It's always been to stay until this year where we went, oh, wow. Oh, we're go, We're going. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> so it's exciting. Yes. I think, yeah. it, it, I think it helps with writing. It will. Yes. Awesome. Um, and John, also, my, John Engie also lives out there and he's like, I'm going to make you write so many things. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make you join my writer's group. You're going to write so many things. So I, I know, I, I know he loves me because he makes me work very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's like anything else writing is a discipline, but also yes. the experience of going to other places. The experience of going yeah. to other places, experiencing different cultures and different ways of life. And, um, you know, Lim, uh, breaking your limits and pushing yourself and finding your finding new boundaries and the breaking and the regrowing and the all of it. Yeah, Ugh. I when I usually read other people's scripts, the first thing I would critique, and I talked about on the on the show before, mm-hmm. are you playing it safe? Mm-hmm. And if you are, that's the first thing I'm be harsh about you. Mm-hmm. Stop playing safe. Stop playing you. safe. You're gonna have to do go somewhere that you don't want to do. Yeah, right. Break your character's heart so they can grow. Yeah. Except now I'm doing it to myself. I <laughs> know my my friend Danny Swanson. She wrote a novel, fantasy mm-hmm. novel, and the character had a a cat in it. Mm-hmm. And I go, no. oh you, no, you better. No. She's like, I'm not going to tell you. You better not no. in the third book. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> and she's one of those we encourage like breaking your hearts. And I was like, I'm not going to read your third book. You're going to no. I'm not going to read your. Third don't book. hurt the cat. <laughs> so, but. Yeah, it's one of those things like, I know you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to do it, but it's healthy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to develop another character. You have yeah. to go. Yeah. And it's important to talk about death because that's my next critique about writing mm-hmm. is about death. Mm-hmm. If it's not, you have to go back. Mm-hmm. I think every story is relatable about death, whether mm-hmm. you're coming back, dealing with grieving, denying it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Core of all stories, I think, is all related to death. Yeah, I think that ties into, um, I think the, the core of all stories ties into the question of what it means to be human and yeah. how to human. Yeah. Um, and so like death is a big part of, that we try to ignore and not think about and pretend la, 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 isn't there. La, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I could, I could see it tying into that. I, I would expand that to like, um, is it about life? And what does that mean? Ooh, we can have different stories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little more dark, and I? Yeah, a little more harsh, right? I, yeah. Like, is it about life? Because, you know, the, you you always get the characters who it's like, 
yeah, I could die for this, but would you live for it? Oh, clever. Because there are things that I might die for that I don't think I could take the everyday monotony of living for. Right. I don't, I don't like the, um, like I, Iceman Cometh. They just live for the mm-hmm. one guy to, to come back, the, mm-hmm. the rock star, and they'll drink and themselves to oblivion and the delusion that they're having a party. Right. But they're all waiting for the one guy to come back that they think is, is the rock star. Mm. That just delivers the booze again. <laughs> so. Well, he does bring the booze. So. <laughs> but a unique thing about me is usually when I'm writing mm-hmm. and I have a conversation with other people, it in real life, I kind of have like, no, you want to ask me that. And then when the, the volley should go this way, mm-hmm. which I sometimes ha- it hiccups my life conversation with, especially with writing. Yeah. And it bleeds over sometimes a little bit. So I sometimes look like a jerk. <laughs> Can you write during the day? Yes. Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, mornings are a struggle for me. Right. And that's mostly because I have terrible sleep habits, which is mostly because I do my best work at night. Um, and I'm 100% sure that if I could just get in the habit of going to bed before one in the morning, I would do so much better in the morning. No! Because I force myself to get up at seven. Okay. Which is not... It's not early by any means, but seven o'clock when you've gone to bed at two o'clock is feels pretty early. Yeah. Um, I still force myself to get up at a reasonable hour, but then I'm so tired. <laughs> Why am I so tired? That's right. That's right. I was up until three o'clock yeah. working. I know if I have a creative idea mm-hmm. at one a.m., I'm pretty sure I can match yeah. one of my friends and they'll be up. Yeah, I do some of my best. I would say I do some of my my best writing and acting. My creative work I actually do really well during the day. It's my technical work for my day job. Um, for my day job, I work on databases and in yeah. tech. Uh, that's the work that I do really well at night. There's just something about the the night darkness that brings out uh, my logical type A side more so than my creative side. That's a little bit weird because for me, I worry do a little bit better at night because mm-hmm. it's all I've experienced the day mm-hmm. I flushed it all out and mm-hmm. I can just unwind and get back to yeah. just focus without any distraction turn off my phone and yeah. everything's quiet the birds shut up yeah. life everybody outside is shut up and then yeah. you know everybody's in bed and I can just quiet Yeah, which means probably when I'm in 65 I'll probably be staying up all night and sleeping all day because everybody <laughs> else is just the world's quiet You'll just you'll just be in, in the corner of the nursing home going, leave me alone. Leave me with my stories. That was the, when I, I used to work at the veterans home mm-hmm. in Minnesota in Hastings. I used to do the night shift, mm-hmm. my rounds. And a handful of them would just stay up at night. Yeah. Veterans, like we're Korean War veterans or World War II veterans. And all they would talk about is baseball. Really? <laughs> because that's all they talked about it during the war. Oh, kept... I love that so much. And I would just go in the break room and I'd talk to them. i go, all right, what's well, the starting lineup for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1965? And all of them, like, just did the first base. With the, like, they knew it. That's amazing. And they just, all they did was to have, they watch, you watch ESPN, they watched baseball. Mm-hmm. They said they watched baseball. They had their cards. They See, there's for... a story in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to write in there. That's beautiful. Yeah, baseball and comics is what kept them all together. Wow. And that's probably, uh, probably if he met somebody during the war, like a complete stranger, mm-hmm. and the first, he could just can't just talk about baseball. Right. And know someone that's your best friend. Yeah. Right there. Right. Which is really weird because they stay up all night. And that's the reason is they just don't want to deal with anybody else's. Yeah. But then Might as well sleep during the day. Yeah. Do you like sports? Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> I don't not, not like a, sports. You're not a sports girl, but I'm not a sports fan. I do play fantasy football with my husband's work team. All right. Um, Let I, me guess. You're killing it. I am not. I am purely middle. I was killing it, and then I lost the last two weeks. So okay. we'll see. I, I should probably check my score and see how it's going. But well, my my wife bets on race horses just oh. because on the how pretty their uniforms are. Oh, that's fair. That's yes. fair. Oh, he's yeah. gonna win. I like his. I like that. his. He's got a pretty color there. <laughs> Yeah, it is, the, yeah. Uh, it is projecting that I'm going to lose this one again. So that'll be three losses in a row. So okay. let it be known. I am not great at the fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, a, a nice, I like to ask actresses about sports. And I, relating is Madeline Kahn last time was on Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Madeline Kahn, and Johnny asked her, do you like sports? And she, her answer was, I don't like balls coming at me. 
<laughs> that is the most perfect way to put it. Um, I do differentiate between sports balls and sports puck. Sports right. puck, I can watch. Oh, it's watch. good that you live in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can handle sports puck. Um, I, I, I married a sports puck player. Ah. Um, not professional, but he played like in college. So, you know, a mm-hmm. player. And uh, But sports balls, just like, yay, do the thing, make the... F- Touch goal down ball. (laughs) I will enthusiastically cheer, not knowing what's going on. But if there's cheering to be done, I will, I will, I am an enthusiast. (laughs) My wife thinks hockey is boring. Yeah, that's fair. Well, her dad was a wrestling coach. So I think wrestling is boring. So she and I can spar. I know. She just, so I do like, like, I, I do horseback riding for my sport. Yeah. I love watching that. Um, and uh, like horseback riding and rock climbing are the kinds of sports that I like to do where it's like, hey, your life is in danger if you stop doing this. <laughs> That's really, it's like, you know, are you going to die? Then I'm not interested. <laughs> when we, when, you know, the Canterbury, the racetrack here yeah. in Minnesota, I, I took my two nephews. I go, go up in the front row mm-hmm. and watch them. And yeah. then you realize how dangerous that is because uh-huh. it, it looks cute. From a distance watching horse racing. And then you go up close. Then you get up close and you can hear it. Yeah. Right? And the kids are like, whoa. I go, yeah, yeah that's that's a yeah. big that's a big furry engine going. Do you know what I learned recently that like blew my mind? What? A single horse has about 16 horsepower. What? That doesn't mathematically right? <laughs> It doesn't what? work. So like when you talk about horsepower on a car, <laughs> yeah. a horse, an actual live horse has about 16 horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, anyway <laughs> it's like when they do the like weather yeah today's like eight but with the wind chill it's minus 40 yeah well what? <laughs> then it's, it's my- just cold don't go outside <laughs> wear an extra layer <laughs> you miss the opportunities because the cars are so well made now but mm-hmm. in the 80s and 70s when you're a kid there was a chance there was almost like a 50 50 chance your car was going to start because mm. you're like turning on it. Oh, no, 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 no. And then start up again. Yeah. Or we had to do the, um, my dad always had to do it. You have to like barbecue mm-hmm. briquettes. Mm-hmm. Then you have, they'll have those litten briquettes and you stick them under the car. Mm-hmm. So you warm up the engine so you can go to work in the morning. Oh my God. All those creative things. But now cars are so reliable that we don't, yeah. Uh, no it's matter started. what the temperature's outside. As long as the battery is good. Because I remember as a kid going to North Star Games. Mm-hmm. And we would go to the parking lot in the winter, like January, and they would have a tow truck driving around starting, jump-starting cars. Wow. We'd be like 40, 50 of them dead. Yeah. And just the nature of things now, they make everything so efficient. Yeah. But you miss those great opportunities. Can you skate? I can skate, yes. You can? Yes, and I enjoy it. It's fun. It is fun. I like going to the little, to the skate parks that are, um, that have like a circle rink and almost doing laps for a while. Those are fun. <laughs> My wife got a kick out. She finally saw me play in hockey because I do old man hockey league mm. where you have to be older than 40. Um, the joke is we actually have female goalies that laugh at us. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like, you guys look like you're in slow motion. It's hilarious. <laughs> and you're like, shut up. Where's the puck? I can't see. Where are my glasses? <laughs> I know we're so old, but when the puck goes in the corner, we all look at each other like, you're going to get it? Is theirs? You're going to get it. I don't want to. I don't want to get it. Right. You're going to get it. My knee hurts. <laughs> but we... We pay our goalies, mm-hmm. and we only recruit go- female goalies, nice. and we pay them because it's expensive for all the equipment and the time and everything. Yeah. And then we, we think it's funny that they laugh at us. You're so pathetic. That's the hardest shot you got. Oh my god! <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so no sports for you? Nope. Rock climbing. Rock climbing, horseback. I don't do a ton. Of, I mean, I've done. I've done rock climbing. I don't go rock climbing regularly. Horseback riding, I take um, at least one lesson a week. Um, oh. And uh, I owned horses in high school. Oh, you did? Yes. And I've, so I've ridden for a while, um, getting back into it uh, and working on getting better. All right. Getting more confident. My, my, my one horse story for you before we mm-hmm. go is we had, there was, over at the Minnesota State Fair, mm-hmm. they had a ranch. Older mm-hmm. horses are in stable. They had like 10 different horses, full size. I don't remember the breeds. But then the last stable was a miniature horse mm-hmm. and his name was Me Too. 
So cute. And he had a little stepladder that he can go up the up the window to see everybody. <laughs> to stick his head out. To stick his little head out. He was just, <laughs> and his name is Me Too with all the other grown-ups, right? I love him. <laughs> well, Tiffany, mm-hmm. thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun and good yes. luck with LA. Thank you. They're going to they're not they don't know what they're going to get. They don't I don't know what I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> but I really appreciate you coming yeah, from the last time. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. Um, it's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. All right, that's good. Yay!